Welcome to episode 228 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. My wife got me a desk cycle for the holidays. This means the way I peer above my desk is not at all representative of the steady pedaling below my desk. The image of a duck comes to mind, gracefully swimming around a pond while their web feet move nonstop below the water surface. I'm grateful to have an opportunity to keep up with my movement while sitting at my desk. Not getting enough movement is one of my regrets for 2020. I started out really strong, clocking 50 miles a month, but my running days were severely limited in late April once I started to work seven days a week building a new business. When that new business started to become profitable, I readily shared this information and just as readily shared how hard I was working to make that a reality. A wonderful thing started to happen as I shared my story. People who were inspired asked for my counsel or reached out to share their own inspiring updates. Some of my colleagues had their best revenue year in 2020, a fact they are not comfortable sharing in the midst of so much hardship around the world. When I mentioned that my new business hit six figures in eight months, a couple of friends cautioned me against sharing how much I was making. This angst about talking about money is certainly not new, but was heightened in 2020. With the world literally and metaphorically on fire for the past year, it can be hard to acknowledge personal and professional achievements. But diminishing your success is not the answer. Rather than feeling shame about your success or guilty about your achievements, take action that helps others. Don't be a duck, pretending to be serene when beneath the surface you're bursting with excitement about your hard work paying off. Your challenge this week. Did good things happen in your life in 2020 despite its many challenges? You are worthy of happiness and deserve to celebrate your success. Share your good news from a place of gratitude, humility, and heart. Go beyond having empathy for the lived realities of others in less fortunate circumstances. Share what you've learned, help make connections, and donate to charities supporting individuals and families impacted by the economic downturn. Denying that you've been successful doesn't make life better for others. Instead, be a source of inspiration and support. Try this and let me know how it goes. Now, on to this week's interview. Today's guest is an expert at enhancing the capacity of leaders to build high-performing teams and exponentially increase bottom-line results. She helps catalyze shifts in thinking and eliminate mental and emotional blocks to rapidly rewire their brain for greater confidence and success. Her unique rapid rewiring approach is the culmination of years of study in the realms of emotional intelligence, neuroscience, organizational psychology, and rapid transformational therapy. She helps her clients achieve quantum leaps in their success and get paid what they're worth. She is the founder and CEO of Nectar Consulting, Inc., where she brings over 25 years of experience, intuitive insights, and strategic business savvy to support the success of the executives and entrepreneurs she works with. She has co-authored three books, Breakthrough Healing, A Guide to Getting It, A Clear, Compelling Vision, and Bite-Sized Tips for the New Entrepreneur. Please join me in welcoming Michelle Molitor. Hi, Robbie. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast. I'm delighted to be here with you today. Hey, Michelle. Thanks for joining me from your office and your home in Hayward, California. 
Um, as you know, this is a show about building strong networks and the context is leadership because no one succeeds in a vacuum. So tell me, how do you define leadership and when did you realize you had the skills to lead? For me, leadership is more about who you're being, um, how you show up and that inspires others to want to step in and do good work that sees the best in others and helps them see it in themselves so that they show up more brilliantly. And then together as a team, they're firing on all cylinders and doing great work in the world. Um, for me, I guess I stepped into my leadership shoes, I guess, um, 25 plus years ago um, in my former career um, as a creative director in web development and really learning how to manage teams of designers and programmers who speak a very different language than clients. <laughs> so I always, um, I've always been pretty adept at being an, uh, an interpreter, right, in air quotes of being able to, to talk with those who were down in the trenches and doing the work and those who were coming up with the big ideas and how to how those can translate from idea to reality. So um, it's something I enjoy doing and do it now with my team um, as we're building out, uh, you know, corporate well-being programs. Yeah, yeah. I, and I appreciate your your definition of, of what it means to be a leader. And you started talking about um, your own experience at this company. I'm curious, though, if we were to roll back the clock a little bit further than 25 years ago, we were like, what was Michelle like on the playground? You know, like, who were you in, in, uh, in elementary high school? Like, you know, were you organizing the kids? Were you uh, running for office? Did someone see leadership potential in you? Or were you kind of the quiet kid watching everything? Um, that's a fun question. Uh, you know, I was uh, back in elementary school and in junior high and even in high school, I was always the littlest and the skinniest who didn't get picked for things. Right. I wasn't picked for the games because, uh, you know, she won't. She's not fast enough. She's not tall enough. She's not something enough. Right. Um, and so I was pretty um, I would say shy, but didn't have a lot of self-confidence. Um, and I've always been very strong and independent, like I'll just figure it out by myself. So if nothing, I'm tenacious, <laughs> right? And that tenacity has helped me become the leader that I am today because I just figure it out, right? And that You don't have an answer? Okay, I'll figure it out. Um, and so I try to instill that in the folks that I work with and that I manage as well. Mm. It's so interesting to think about you as a person that wasn't being picked because I see you as a, such a leader, and, you know, some people feel seek out right now. And yet, you know, our origin stories are still with us. So probably how you see the world is colored by the experiences you had growing up. And I'm curious how that, like, do you feel like you now look for the people who are not being brought forward on your team? Do you like make sure that everyone's included? Is there sort of a part of you that wants to, you know, 
not just keep the spotlight on on you or just one other you know employee are you are you sort of aware of the fact that people sometimes get left out Oh, absolutely. Because I always felt like I was on the outside looking in. I always felt like I was the black sheep, right? Um, And so my work is all about helping people um, find their own inner light and and find their voice and step into that. Um, But as a a leader, it's important to be able to um, see into people and help them see those characteristics, those traits, those leadership qualities that maybe they can't see themselves reflected back at them, right? So I do my very best to be encouraging and um, take time to tune in and touch base with people so that they feel seen and heard and appreciated for the contributions that they make. Because that's that's a, a bottom line, basic human need especially in uh, today's corporate world yeah feeling of belongingness is like right up there you know like maslow's hierarchy so uh curious then if somebody saw and heard and you know recognized and appreciated you when you're growing up was there someone who like saw some potential in you That's uh, that's a good question. I can think of people who have done that in my professional career, but when I look back um, at my formative years, um, there's probably one or two people. First person that comes to comes to mind is Mr. Hare. He was my humanities teacher in high school, and he was uh, quirky and a wee bit eccentric, and um, I tend to be uh, quirky. And so I think our quirkiness recognized each other and he was, hel- he was able to help me feel like I did belong, even though I was coming up with some, you know, wackadoodle projects. We, we had, I, this just totally popped in my head. We had to craft some thing for, you know, like art history. And I came up with an Ottonian duck. I don't know where that came from, but you know, creativity. <laughs> it's at the heart of me, right? <laughs> I love it. I love the idea of quirkiness recognizing each other and, you know, finding, feeling like, oh, there's space for me here. Like that's, that's a big part of, of the way you're sort of viewing leadership too, then is there space for everyone here and in, in valuing them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we all have unique talents, gifts, expertise that we bring to the table and um, seeing that in others and honoring it, um, it just has people open up and shine more fully. If you, if you think of us humans as little flowers, right? We all need sun, we need rain. (laughs) Um, And, and when you, when you shine your, light your care, your attention onto others, just like flowers, they turn towards the sun and they open up, right? Um, It's that feeling of belongingness, as you mentioned, and and feeling seen that really has people go, oh, okay, I can feel safe here. I can put my shields down and I can show up and do the work that I'm here to do without having to feel like I'm hiding behind facades to, you know, protect myself in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's it's interesting how the formative years can influence our worldview and then 
you know, we carry that with us, right? Like, and I'm curious when you were 10 or 11, what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? <laughs> um, when I was 10 or 11, I was going to be a veterinarian for sure. Um, I love animals um, totally. And I went to college and was studying biology and then I met chemistry and chemistry and I did not get along. <laughs> so I ended up changing my major to psychology, which ironically I've circled back around to as a coach and a um, rapid transformational therapist. So, um, you know, my work is all about helping people look at those uh, stories of origin that that we took on the beliefs that we formed about ourselves when we were those young ages. I'm not good enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not fast enough. Um, it, something's wrong with me. I don't fit in. You know, I had a whole collection of them and we all do in various ways, shapes and forms. And it's those underlying subconscious beliefs that we carry with us. We don't even know they're there oftentimes in our subconscious programming. But when you can identify them and then learn how to release them, reprogram them, rewire your neural pathways literally in your brain, then it's super empowering and it, it can change your entire perspective on life and, and how you show up more fully. Yeah, and I can see how you were drawn to that and how you circled back to that. And yet it wasn't a clear path. It you know, sounds like a little, little bumpy in the beginning when you met chemistry. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yes. It's a, it's a very winding road that brought me to where I am today, but yeah. you know, it all served. Did you, um, did you have an inkling you were going to be an entrepreneur? You know, it's funny. I, I never did. I grew up in a, in a family of entrepreneurs. So my, my mom and dad have been business partnered and high school sweethearts for the last 60-something years. Um, my brother and sister both worked in the family businesses for many years. And when I graduated from college, I said, thanks, I'm moving to France in 30 days and I'm going to be an au pair. Bye. Because <laughs> the thought of being underneath the judging eyes of my mom, my dad, my brother and my sister, I was like, mm, no, no, that's, that's not happening. And, and it wasn't until... Um, I moved out here to the San Francisco Bay Area 20 years ago now, just over 20 years ago. And I back then I was working in high tech and web development as a creative director. And um, I had my golden ticket. The company I came out here to work for was going to IPO the week I started. It was so exciting. I thought I was going to be a millionaire. And then the, the market crashed <laughs> instead. And... Um, about nine months later, I essentially got bullied out of my job, Robbie, and it was devastating to me, absolutely devastating. And my what little confidence I had built up and self-worth was just shattered. And um, I really had no idea what I was going to do next. And I discovered coaching. My uncle was like, hey, there's this thing called career coaching. I'm like, great, where do I find one? Because uh, I was totally a deer in the headlights about what to do next. But the thought of going back into corporate with a resume in hand was terrifying to me, absolutely terrifying. And so when I discovered coaching, 
it was like all the cells in my body came into alignment. And I knew, I knew deep down in my heart and my soul that this was the work that I was meant to be doing. So I went on to get trained and certified. And I literally started my company because that seemed much easier to do than to actually go try to get a job someplace else. So then, it was, it was happenstance. You know, and then <laughs> you realize it's not actually much easier, but, but, in, <laughs> but when you were faced with those two choices, it did seem like the easier choice. What year is the year that you decided to go and do this business? Um, I started Nectar Consulting in 2001. So I just had my 19th anniversary about wow. a week or two ago. Yeah. I interviewed someone recently who got started in coaching in like 99, 2000, 2001, and it was it was very nascent then. It was not well known. Yes. And uh, now, I mean, everyone's a coach now, but, <laughs> yeah. but it was very then, different. People, yeah. People were like, football coach? Bat? No, no, not that. No, yeah, no, they do have <laughs> it's a come a long coach. way since then, for sure. It's quite interesting. Um, and uh, and that that was uh, Melinda from Coaches Council. We'll put a link to her show notes, her, her uh, episode in the show notes. Um, so uh, this is really interesting because this experience, you know, we often uh, have these moments in life where it's awful, but in, in retrospect, we thank the person who caused that to happen. Like you, you were like pushed out of a job in an ugly way but it led to you discovering your passion. Like you said, your cells all aligned. And if you hadn't been bullied out of the job, you would have kind of hung in there as a good enough kind of experience in life. And here you've had such a huge impact, 19 years of an impact. That's amazing. So mm, thank you. It's hard, it's hard in the moment, but I think you know, we all have probably moments in our life where we're like, oh, the, the, the sliding doors moment happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and I, and I'm very grateful for the painful gift that it was, right? It, it was like the universe said, no, not this, look over here. And um, I had some pretty nice golden handcuffs at the time <laughs> that had me attached there. And so, you know, it's one of the few ways that would have gotten me to leave a, a 10 plus year career and start my own business and a new career all at the same time. Um, so, you know, every, every gift has, every challenge has a blessing, I believe. Mm. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes is your, your greatest source of pain is your greatest source of power. So when you take that really painful experience, no matter what it is, and you're able to then turn it around and give it back to the world as a gift, that's where your passion and your purpose can come into alignment. I like to call that your sweet spot, right? Um, and and when you're able to do that more and more in each and every day, um, life flows more easily and effortlessly and often more abundantly. That's amazing. Um I, I also want to note that 2001 was 9-11. So you, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people who've started businesses like in the middle of a recession because they lost a job and different things, life, life situations. But that must have added a layer of complexity. Like you didn't know who you were serving, what you were doing, you're trying to get certified. <laughs> you yeah, <know>. well, <laughs> it, it was an interesting time because I had, I had gotten laid off from my job that I had moved out here for. Um, I got another web development job with a startup. I forewent working for Hewlett Packard 
and Sun Microsystems. And I took this startup company and they ran out of funding six months later. And that was, so I got my pink slip again a month before 9-11 happened. And then, um, so 9-11 happened obviously on 9-11. And then I started my company on October 17th. So um, just over a month later, I was like, well, no time like the present. And I just, um, I kind of do that. I kind of just dump, jump hold, wholeheartedly into the deep end of the pool. I'm like, I'll figure it out because I always do. I'm curious how your network supported you in that moment because did you mostly know people in corporate, but I guess you were starting to meet coaches as you were going through a training process because there weren't many of you out there. No, there weren't many of us out and you, there. And you knew entrepreneurs, but it sounds like your family business was a very different type of entrepreneurship sort of focus. Oh, absolutely. You know, I grew up um, learning how to operate uh, and answering um, it, my, my parents had an answering service, like, you know, the old kind where you pull the cable out and you stick it in. and the, you, I'm picturing you know, it with the operator. Right. With a cigarette hanging out of her mouth. Yeah, that was them. Right. Wow. <laughs> Totally so that. What did, what did you do to like find the resources and the network to help you get started? Like what was the big challenge that moment? Well, I think the other, the other gift of that time was while I was still working at my corporate job, a friend of mine um, invited me to this event that he was part of. And um, I don't know if you've ever heard of landmark education, Robbie, um, it's a you know personal development company for those who are listening, and I I went to this event. There was probably two hundred people there, and they're all smiling from ear to ear. And I was super stressed out and having anxiety attacks. So I'm like, I'll have whatever they're having, right? Because <laughs> what I'm doing is something's not right. So I ended up doing um, about a year's worth of you know various different programs with Landmark, which really helped. It was like the first step that I had ever taken into, you know, personal development of any kind other than reading some books. And it was super powerful. And so that became my kind of a launch pad of a network. And I had, um, through that work, I had started coaching people, um, uh, you know, informally, not professionally. And that gave me a lot more um, courage and tools to start from as I was also going through my training and certification um, with the Coaches Institute. Um, so I, I actually started my company before I was officially certified. Um, that came about a year later, but, you know, got to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And today certification is an, still optional in the field. Um, it's more about the experience and can you actually create the results people are looking for and the transformation people are looking for. I'm, I'm curious. So Landmark attracts certain kinds of people and people who are willing to invest in themselves, people who are open to a process, um, tend to be more positive, you know, because they, they believe there's changes possible. And so good people to surround yourself by. Did some of them end up being clients as well? Oh yeah, my my first handful of clients all came from my my landmarking days and friendships that I had built there. So the other thing is that they are willing to invest. 
And I think what's so interesting is you, ha- you fell in to a crowd of people who were very coachable in a general sense, o- open to the idea of that, even though they'd never heard of coaching before, perhaps because the times it was so new. But the fact they searched out for a personal development program, they had invested cash for that program. That means they had the capacity and willingness to do that. So it's so interesting how this referral that you got, hey, check out Landmark, really became a launch pad for how you got established and in a safe way. Like they were willing to let you try out with them like a different process or try out different practice of it or right. And like, because they trusted you and knew you. And so by the time you probably had to actually hunt for clients in like a, a, <laughs> in a more formal way, you, you had some experience under your belt. It sounds like. Absolutely. I, you know, Landmark is a great program in a lot of different ways and the tools are very powerful to help you, <clears throat> excuse me, un unearth some of the the baggage you've been carrying around and the stories you've been making up about yourself and it and it's a process and it really um fueled a lifelong desire of um getting at the the pieces of us that no longer serve right i'd always been interested in psychology and this showed it to me in a whole different way that I had never been exposed to in college. I mean, the, the irony here is in college, my, my senior year in, the, in my, the ninth hour, I freaked out thinking I could never get a job with a degree in psychology. So I changed my majors to advertising, of all things. Um, so I ended up with a degree in advertising and psychology. And, and so because book psychology is very different than um, experiential learning, personal development, right? It is a whole mind-body level, mind-body-spirit level that you approach things from. And so I found through the work that I was doing as a participant in Landmark that I um, I had a lot of natural abilities in that area. I'm uh, pretty intuitive, and um, uh, you know, from a neuroscience perspective, I have some very active mirror neurons in my brain that pick up on other people's emotions. So it's like my superpower. I'm able to <laughs> feel feel people's stuff, uh, whether I like it or not. Sometimes, but you know, it's very helpful as a coach. Yeah. No, I think it. It seems like you you sort of got introduced to the concept of coaching by one person. You got introduced to landmark by another person. You put it all together and realized you had a real aptitude and knack for it. Um, and that it felt, you felt really drawn to explore it, but how did you know who you wanted to serve right away? Like, and did, has that really evolved over the last 19 years? Like who you wanted to work with? Yeah, it has definitely evolved. Um, you know, I, in hindsight, I can look back and go as a coach, I was maybe two steps ahead of the people that I was working with, right? Because when I started, I was a career coach because I had just come through a horrific career challenge, learning opportunity, right? Um, and then as I gathered more skills, I, I become a totally a learning junkie, right? So um, for many, many, many years, every year I was doing some large personal development piece of work, a retreat, a this, a that, um, different programs to constantly sharpen my saw because underneath all of that, I had a I'm not good enough conversation, 
I've come to find out, right? But back then I was like, oh, I got to learn some more. I got to learn some more. I got to learn some more. So I was constantly stuffing my brain with um, other tools and resources and information in various ways of coaching. And so over time, um, you know, I've added more tools to my tool belt. First, it was career coaching. Then it was specifically leadership coaching. And, um, and then I realized because of my, you know, inherent entrepreneurial background that I had, um, I was like, wow, well, this kind of all falls under this umbrella of business coaching, right? Because um, I've, I've worked with so many entrepreneurs. And, and so I have a lot of tools that I bring to the table for my clients based on exactly what they need and, and meet them where they are. Um, you know, it's been four or five years now that I discovered the work of Marissa Peer, who's a world-renowned therapist. And, you know, in my quest to always remove layers of blocks and bugs in my own system so I could be a better coach, you know, I, I came up against some things that I couldn't quite get rid of no matter what I tried after 20 years of, of learning. And so in working with her, I was able to very quickly, like literally within weeks, remove some blocks that I had been trying to get at for 20 years. So that became the next level of mastery for me. Um, I went on to become certified as a rapid transformational therapist. And I've since combined it with my coaching and what I call my rapid rewiring program, right? So now instead of taking months or years and working with clients, I typically work with a client anywhere from 30 to 90 days and they're good and they're, you know, off to the races. So it's a, it's been a, an amazing shift in my work and with much long lasting, deeper results that I could have previously achieved with coaching. So Myself. interesting. In, in a way, you're so successful that um, I imagine a coach listening to that might be like, but wait, wouldn't you want to work with someone for 18 months to three years versus 30 to 90 days? And I bet your referrals, though, are strong, that, that the results are so good that people like pass your name along. Um, because you know, the, the, they don't want to wait three years for results. They want results as soon as possible. Absolutely. Well, I'm extremely impatient, Robbie. <laughs> Super impatient. So um, when you can get at something, when you know that you can get at something that's been holding you back for years and you can get at it sooner than later, why wouldn't you? Mm. Right? Um, I literally have had people come to me from all over the world, like, please help me. I've tried everything else. I don't know what else to do. And they're, they're angry, they're frustrated, they're upset. Um, and, and through the 30-day the program that I take them through, we're able to literally get at the underlying subconscious beliefs that started the bad habit, the physical condition, um, the lack of confidence or self-esteem that they've been carrying around for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, right? I've watched clients... Um, let go and release physical challenges, IBS, psoriasis, um, chronic migraines that they've been dealing with for decades. And then it's gone. And they're like, what? What did you do? <laughs> I mean, literally, I have one client recently. He's like, 
I don't, I don't know what you did, but I, I definitely feel different. <laughs> I'm like, great. Right, that's the whole point. <laughs> it's almost the absence of pain at that point. And you've been carrying around that kind of chronic pain, uh, chronic heaviness, um, whatever the mental block that had prevented you from living your fullest life, when that's removed, it's like a, it must be such a weird loss. Well, it's like a, a, it's like a phantom limb. Mm. You know, I've heard it described that way. And the, and the tricky part here is because um, your mind likes what's familiar and rejects what is unfamiliar. So if you if your familiar way of being is I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I can't do this, which manifests itself as chronic IBS or chronic migraines, for example, when you get rid of that underlying belief and you change it, you rewire it for to be I am enough, I, I am deserving, I can be happy and healthy. Um, at first, as I and this is why I do this over 30 days is because the first week or two, it's kind of like, it's very wobbly for folks. And their, their amygdala, your fight or flight mechanism, right, in your brain, which has been guarding the gate, if you will, around that old belief. I'm not good enough. See, here's all the proof of how, how I'm not good enough. But when you change that, your amygdala, or, or I like to call her Amy. Amy just wants to keep you safe and alive, right? Amy's like, hey. Hey, wait, you took my job, right? And she gets kind of upset about that, right? So you have to, <laughs> there's a transition period where you have to work through um, and that rewiring process until your brain goes, oh, this is our new normal. This is our new familiar and it's okay, right? So it's- you just, uh, you just described what globally we've all experienced since the pandemic, because we've had a <laughs> yes. lot of rewiring very rapidly happening, not always in a good way, not all thoughtful. And, um, but yeah, like we, those, some of us adjusted more quickly and some seven, eight months in are still holding on to like the old beliefs of the way things should be and resisting and like making it hard. I, in my opinion, for them to like move forward. Um, I will, you and I don't know each other too well. And I will just tell you that prior to the pandemic, I was recognized as having expertise teaching people networking at events. And I spoke about that for a decade plus. I wrote a book on it. I did a TEDx on it. I posted a podcast on it. And so all the things I was known for and had spent more than a decade getting known for were useless all in like two <laughs> days. It went psh, gone. Like eye contact, business cards, shaking hands and body language not the currency of today. <laughs> yep. So I realized that on a Monday, by Wednesday, I kept asking the, how do I show up and add value? And by Friday, I had written nine ways to network in a pandemic and then hosted my first weekly virtual happy hour, which I've hosted every week since. And that launched wow. an entirely new business, which has been very, I, I got to 10K a month in six months. So- wow. Or I've averaged 10K a month in six months, I should actually say. So uh, very quickly shifted because I was not, I sort of refused to get stuck. I was like, how do I show up and add value? How do I show up and add value? It wasn't about me, right? And so it's, it's very interesting. And I don't think that me 10 years ago would have had the same response to this particular moment. I, what you talked about, personal development over time, rewiring, long lasting impact. And then when crisis hits, you actually see how people respond. So, yeah. 
Interesting. Absolutely. You know, A, I commend you on being able to pivot so, so beautifully and so seamlessly because a lot of people haven't, right? Um, they're just like, whoa, what just happened to my world? And, you know, another reason of why doing personal development is such a powerful tool because it gives you more resiliency and, and, you know, extreme times of challenge, right? Um, you know, I, I, before the pandemic hit, I decided as a way to be of greater service, I created a, a my rapid rewire membership program, right? So I can work with people in groups versus just one-on-one. And then when the pandemic hit, I was like, okay, how can I be of greater service still because there's so many people who are suffering? So um, I've, I've built out and I'm just about ready to launch actually um, any moment now, uh, my corporate well-being programs um, so that we can help our friends in, who are working in the, the bigger corporate structures versus just entrepreneurs and have whole teams learn how to better take care of their well-being by giving them different sets of um, personal and professional development tools, right? Mm. How do I create mindfulness as a leader? How do I um, manage my teams remotely more effectively? How do I and still greater confidence in myself and my team while still having to work virtually. So um, I really wanted to just create a more expansive way of being able to serve people while still bringing them some of what I call my my secret sauce, right? The, one of the, the amazing tools that I use with my one-on-one clients um, that comes out of our session is what I call my transformation recording. And it's about a 30-minute um, hypnosis recording specifically for them that they're able to listen to every night as they drift off to sleep. And that's one of the key components for literally rewiring their neural pathways at a subconscious level, right? So I'm like, well, how do I take that into corporate without going, yeah, I'm going to hypnotize you and your whole team, right? Because <laughs> people be like, what? <laughs> So it's part of the the membership program that I offer, and it's um, it's part of the the corporate well being program that I'm offering too, yeah. um, with these different trainings that I have. So I'm super excited about it, and because Lord knows our our well being has been challenged. Yes, a skosh this year. <laughs> well, and you and I are recording this now in early November 2020, and your episode will air in. Um, mid January. So things will be happening at that point. I, I actually, as we're wrapping up, I want to know if you have any particular uh, processes or philosophies or practices around staying in touch with people, nurturing and sustaining your your network, not just like your your inner core of people, but that second and I guess third layer out people you might see annually at a conference or you work with five years ago, or you went to school with 20 years ago, or something like that. You know, yeah, is there anything that comes to mind that, that helps you kind of bring people into your orbit on a regular basis? Well, you know, I'm I'm pretty active on on social media, um, Robbie. I have uh, my group on Facebook called Rewire for Success, and you know, I'm always inviting new people and old friends to join me there as a way to um, be in community, 
right? Because we all need to be in community, especially now when we're still sheltering in place, essentially. Um, but, you know, finding new friends, creating new conversations about what's lighting them up and what new things are they doing in the world to pivot, to have their skills, talents, and abilities still be used in a good way versus getting all tight and crunchy and, you know, anxious because we're all like, oh my God, <laughs> right? So hopefully by January, life will look more rosy. <laughs> yes, I hope, I hope everything you're saying is true. So here's, here's my favorite sort of wrap-up question. If we're reconnecting a year from now and we are celebrating all of your successes from the previous year, what are we going to be toasting to? What are you most looking forward to in the year ahead? Oh, gosh. Um, that's a fun question. That's a, that's a great end of the year uh, goal setting question too, right? Um, we're going to be celebrating the um, successful launch of my new uh, corporate well-being program and having served, you know, 15 companies from around the world and really positively influencing teams um, all over the place to create greater well-being and uh, a sense of inclusion and community so that we can all come together and, and work together more seamlessly um, in a good way because... I think that's what we all want and need these days. That's awesome. Well, I cannot wait to celebrate that with you. It's a great goal for all of us to have, and you'll be having a huge impact on the world in that way, I'm sure. Thank you so much for joining us. And how can people find you and follow your work? Sure. Um, you can always find me at nectarconsulting.com, N-E-C-T-A-R consulting.com. And um you can find me on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, either under Michelle Molitor or Rapid Rewire. Yeah. Fantastic. We will put all those links in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Robbie. It's been a real pleasure to be here. Blessings to everyone who's listening. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Michelle. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 228. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources in today's show, as well as over 225 archived episodes on this Pinterest-inspired page. Reach out and let me know which of your favorite interviews. By the way, it's now your last chance to join the 5% Advantage program. For virtual presenters, please stop letting technology hold you back. Instead, leverage digital technology to share your message. Become fluent in online facilitation and all the features of Zoom so you can design and execute an engaging online experience. If you are a speaker, presenter, workshop, or anything else running meetings, this program is starting January 28th. So email me right away if you're interested in learning more. That's Robbie at RobbieSamuels.com. And I'll share the full details with you. And I'd be happy to schedule a chat to see if this is right for your goals. If you enjoyed this episode with Michelle, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to subscribe for free so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review in Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at iTunes.OnTheSchmooze.com. 
Thank you in advance. And I look forward to connecting again next week. We'll be interviewing another talent professional who has achieved success in their field or industry. I'll ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their leadership journey and how they built and sustained their professional network. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.